Blog Talk Radio. January 10th, 2011. My name is Jim Burns, and welcome to Blog Talk Radio. Uh, right now, you are in Teacher Talk. My website is jameshburns.com, and uh, there you can download a great bullying ebook that I would highly recommend to anyone. Also, you can follow me on twitter.com slash jameshburns, and please visit me on my Facebook page at Facebook. Um, Slash James H. Burns. The number to call in six four six five nine five four nine six five. Again, that number six four six five nine five four nine six five. I welcome your calls. Place the show and your favorites. Rate the show. Your feedback's real important to me. And uh, we are looking at more snow again on Tuesday and Wednesday. Uh, another foot. Uh, I'm in brick, and they're predicting it in New York. And brick usually gets harder, and I can't take any more snow. I don't know about any of you guys, but it is absolutely disastrous. It, it has just been too much for me this season. Um, it, it is one of those winners. What can I tell you? Um, I had done a, a show uh, last week called Relationships Are Forever, and they truly are. Uh, there are things that, that um, and people that you run into that you will never forget people that are just a part of your life, people that uh, you enjoy, people that you want to be with, people that you care about. Uh, and uh, I had one of those in uh, the summer. I had my sister, uh, who was um, a wonderful person. And I have to tell you, uh, today is one of those days where I just can't forget her. Uh, she's just too, She was just too good for words. It was my sister, Abby. She lived very close to me. And uh, sometimes we had our differences, sometimes we didn't, but she was a wonderful person. Um, uh, I also had uh, a long-standing relationship with a lovely gal, uh, and that relationship is no longer, uh, and it is very difficult for me to manage through that uh, difficult time. But I would encourage all of you who are who are in uh, relationships, who may have, who may not be in relationships, who have difficulty uh, with breakups and so on, to to do yourself a favor. Take heart and realize that God has a plan for all of us. Um, There was a a word that uh, I discovered, and this is just an aside, that um, that, uh, from the topic that we're going to speak about today, which is called the medicalizing of education. And it is called transition people, transition people. Uh, we are all placed in the path of other people in our lives for a lot of different reasons. Maybe it's to teach us something. Maybe it's to teach them something. Uh, Whatever those uh, reasons are, God has a plan for it. 
and I want to make you aware of it. Uh, people who are in transition, right out of divorces, usually out of divorces, not so much out of out of uh, basic relationships, they are going to date you, and they are going to discover that there are uh, other things that they want to do after after they've been with you for several months. Uh, that is a, a very a difficult uh, thing to, to contend with. Um, and it's something that uh, I want to make all of you aware that if you happen to be uh, in that situation with a um, person who is directly out of a relationship or who is someone who was directly out of a divorce, uh, I'm saying within like a, a six-month period, uh, get ready. Get ready because you are not going to be able to meet all their needs because they discover new needs every day that they have for themselves. Um, and if you happen to fall in love with the person as I did after nine months with them uh, and they decide that they have different needs than the ones that you're meeting, and in this case it was financial, I will tell you, you know, it can be very difficult. It can be very difficult. And there's a wealth of stuff online that you can look up uh, to help you deal with it. My solace comes from God. Uh, he tells me uh, in, in, in the Bible, do not associate with those that are given to change. And there's a big difference between change and adjustment. Between change and adjustment. Adjustment is you make things work by adjusting on the fly. Change means every day you wake up and you're a different person. And sometimes a person right out of a divorce wakes up every day and they are different. And they they look uh, they they could talk to you on the phone today and talk to you on the phone tomorrow, and they could have an entirely different attitude about life. And it's something that you need to need to be real aware of. And the Bible does teach us, guard your heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. So I ask you, those of you who enter into relationships with people who are out of relationships, to do yourself a favor and, and don't get don't get yourself too too connected because that thing is gonna that thing is going to evaporate and it's gonna be no fault of your own. It will be no fault of your own. Don't beat yourself up, don't blame yourself move forward because if you don't you're going to you're going to end up sitting around waiting for this person to call you and you know what they might call you sometimes it has been the research suggests that they do circle back they do circle back because you didn't do anything wrong you did nothing wrong to hurt them you were you were there for them you brought them through to the other side of the keyhole so that's where they are that's where they are. And uh, just guard your heart because it's very important. And uh, right now we're going to begin to discuss the topic that we have for today. Um, and that the topic that I'd uh, like to talk about is, is the medicalizing of education. And uh, the, everyone takes medication for some reason. I won't say everyone, but... A lot of people take medication. I take it for high blood pressure. Some people take medication for their prostate. Some take it for diabetes. Some take it for thyroid problems, ulcers, depression. Uh, there's all manner of reasons why people take medication. And 
sometimes it's something that you need just to stay alive. If, you, if they didn't have high blood pressure medication, it would only be a matter of time before something went wrong with me. Kidney failure, uh, stroke, whatever the case may be, I would not be lasting too long. And nobody would. <clears throat> and bottom line is medication is a necessary piece of some people's lives that they need in order to stay healthy. The question that I often pose to people is, um, whose responsibility is it to take the medication? Well, that's the person who needs it. Now, my dad uh, had high blood pressure, and he passed away of a stroke when I was very young. And, you know, you didn't back you know, that many years ago, 33 years ago, 34 years ago, you didn't have the type of health benefits that you have today, you know, and so on. And um, I think he tried to stretch the soup with the medication um, where he would take his blood pressure medication today and maybe not take it for a day and then take it another day and then maybe skip two days. And he was always trying to stretch the soup. And and I think that's something that really affected him. I think he wanted to stretch out those pills as long as he could because he didn't want to spend the money on the medication, even though he had plenty of money. And ultimately, that caught up to him. And his demise was a stroke, and it was because of high blood pressure. Now, they have far more sophisticated pills that you could take today that really do lower your blood pressure and really do take care of you. They have great stuff now that can almost keep conditions at bay. Yeah, even um, HIV now is really being kept under control with the use of many medications that, that people take. I mean, it was back in 19... Oh, my land. How many years ago was it? Was it 94, 93, 94? Magic Johnson was diagnosed as HIV. This is now 2011, that's 17 years ago. He still looks great. Um, so the bottom line is medication is a necessary agent in, in many people's lives. Uh, such is the case with youngsters who are hyperactive, distractible, impulsive, um, inattentive, um, and who have all manner of problems paying attention, and doing what they need to do, whether it be in school or in the community or in the family. And I can remember, um, and I'm, I may be repeating myself, but I can remember watching a the show House on TV with you, Laurie, where they brought in a youngster who was the most miserable human being you ever met. And uh, they discovered a pea sized tumor on the behavioral center of one of the lobes of his brain. And when the mother found out that this kid had a small tumor on one of the lobes of his, of, uh, his brain, her comment was, you mean it's not about me? This isn't about me? And they took the, they took the uh, tumor off and the kid's behavior was still horrible. And at the end of the show, 
you know, when the house was talking to the mother about the kid, uh, his comment to her was right at the very end, and oh, by the way, it was about you. You were the one who was uh, uh, involved with um, uh, creating the behavior that you see. Sometimes parents, when they discover that their children have a condition, and let's just call it attention deficit disorder for now, hyperactivity disorder, let's just call it that. They're relieved to discover it, and they are happy to find out that it is not their parenting skills. And they look to the medication to take care of the behavior that is out of control. Well, over the years, you know, from being around social workers and different folks who were involved in the healthcare industry, what I found out was if a person is in therapy, if a person is in therapy, they also, and if the therapy's not sticking, then they need to take medication to help make the therapy work a little bit better. The same thing holds true with kids who are in school who are behavior problems. If conventional disciplinary techniques don't work because of a condition, whatever it is, then you might want to try medication. But too often we use medication first or too quickly. And consequently, what happens is we don't see enough change in behavior because in terms of behavior, medication works when there are consequences and we enforce uh, uh, um, the consequences. When youngsters are disrespectful and irresponsible, bottom line, it works together. Therapy, medication. Therapy first, medication if, you, if, if it's not working. Same thing with behavior in school. Consequences, discipline first, medication if it's not working, if you think there's a condition that, that is causing the behavior to continue. Bottom line, it works in conjunction with each other. Medication, discipline, therapy, uh, medication, it all works together. One does not work without the other. If, in fact, a a youngster does not catch on and does not develop what I call consequential thinking where they believe that, you know what, I'm going to lose something big enough, I better stop. If there's something wrong with the kid's head where he can't control himself and we've worked in terms of holding him accountable and that has not worked no matter how big the loss Maybe then you have to look at medication, but you don't look at medication first. My name is Jim Burns. You are in Teacher Talk on Blog Talk Radio. Number to call in, 646-595-4965. Again, that number, 646-595-4965. I welcome your calls. Um, I just wanted to make you folks aware that last night I conducted an interview with a lovely um, radio host named Steve Lerner. Uh, he participates in what is called Underground Progressive Radio. Uh, and he has a show called The Burner, which is um, aired in Bricktown, um, 9 a.m., uh, once a week. 
Uh, and I did a show there uh, last night, which will be aired, and you can probably get it online as well, uh, the, and it's probably theburner.com. Uh, it will be aired 9 a.m. on the 17th, and you could pick. I think you can pick it up on the Internet right now. Um, great interview. De- the topic was bullying and what we can do. Uh, he, uh, Him and I had a conver- lovely conversation. I think you'll enjoy the interview. I think you should absolutely... Uh, tune that in if, you, if you're in your car and you're in the Bricktown area. Uh, you should also uh, try to catch it on the internet uh, and see how it, and uh, see if you like it because it deals with the topic of bullying. And in New Jersey right now, the legislation is huge. It, the, the law was just passed to try and stop bullying. They have the Anti-Bullying Bill of Rights, which Governor Christie just signed uh, to help um, school districts deal with the problem. And we can only pray that that we um, mandated programs produce mandated funds because oftentimes that's what happens. Um, now, so we've got that piece under control. Medication or uh, discipline, medication. Therapy, medication. Not the other way around. Medication is the last resort. Too many side effects. That's the other thing that you have to look at. Too many side effects from medication. And quite frankly... Quite frankly, I'm not even sure they know what centers of the brain are involved with the behavior that kids exhibit uh, that causes them to exhibit these behaviors. I don't even know if they even know. All I know is is that the frontal lobe has a piece in it called an executive function, which was coined by Russell Barkley years ago. The executive function involves impulse control. That's where you're thinking about doing something and you go, oops, better not. And and then it helps, you know, it keeps the kid from exhibiting certain behaviors. I want to do this. Oops, better not. Well, in youngsters who have behavior problems, oops, better not doesn't work, and they continue to go forward and either punch, hit, say something, do something, act up, have a power struggle, and they have those difficulties because oops better not doesn't work because the um the uh in, the executive function operates too slowly so the paradoxical effect of taking ritalin is it's a stimulant and you're trying to slow a kid down but what you're trying to do is speed up the executive function so it can intercept the impulse more quickly so the kid doesn't act on his behavior on his thoughts that's how it works. Now, some of the side effects from Ritalin, and I don't know them all, I do know that they do suppress appetite, uh, like a diet pill. And uh, consequently, what starts to happen is kid lo- the kid loses weight. And I do know that if you give Ritalin to a youngster who is not does not have quote, unquote, attention deficit hyperactivity disorder, they can get depressed. Those are the two things that I know. Those are just some of the side effects. I'm sure dry mouth and maybe the inability to sleep and a lot of the other more common things that you hear about all types of medication are are also possible. Now, let's take a look at this a little further. Kid comes into school has a problem with behavior. 
he possibly got away with a bunch of stuff when, he, when while at home. He's five or six years old right now. He starts acting up. Parents didn't know how to deal with the terrible twos. Uh, he continues to exhibit tantrums in school. Uh, he talks back. He's rude, discourteous. He may be, even be a bully on the playground with other kids. He might be provocative, all manner of things, and he is driving the teachers crazy. Uh, so they go through the discipline process. Discipline takes on many forms. You might want to talk to the kid. You may want to uh, keep him after school, keep him in from recess. He's a little kid. Um, you may want to make him uh, sit in time out. Uh, there's all manner of things that you could do. Talk to the parents. And you find out that the consequences really don't work. Now, sometimes they don't work because the loss isn't great enough in the mind of the kid. So we immediately go down and we, we we start talking to the child study team, psychologist, learning consultant, about the possibility maybe this kid needs to be classified. Let's let's classify him and see what happens. The child study team takes a look at the whole picture and says, uh, wait a minute, we can't classify him. We've already got too many kids classified in the district. You're going to have to deal with them. So let's give him a 504. Now, a 504, basically what it is, is modifications without a classification. So you, you give him a 504, and you make a few modifications. And I'm going to tell you, the child study team was accurate in telling you not to classify him. And I'm going to tell you why. Because with the inclusion movement, the kid would have been back in your class anyway as a special ed student with more rights than he had before he was classified, and you're not going to be able to do anything with him. Because he'll have more modifications and more behaviors will be excusable than you could ever have imagined. So then, you got, then you're stuck with them. So you're better off going with the 504. You go with the 504, you work with the kid a little bit, takes a little time, maybe some of the behaviors change, maybe they don't. Maybe the consequence in some instances was strong enough, maybe it wasn't. So what do you do? You hang on until the end of the year. Now the kid goes into the second grade. All summer he sat home, you know, no medication, no discipline maybe. Comes back to school, second grade, same problems. Carrying around a 504, Acting up, cutting up, giving giving uh, other students a hard time, behavior problem. While that kid was in the first grade, he was progressively falling behind. But you know what? You weren't going to retain him because that's not politically correct. And the other thing is, if you retain him, you're stuck with him again next year. Now what do you do? So you push them onto the second grade, and the kid goes into the second grade, not at the, not at the first grade level, but probably at the point three, point four grade level. Now he's in grade two. He finishes grade two at about the one point one grade level. Gets to grade three, and he finishes grade three, and he's at the second grade level. He's way behind. He academically is having problems. His behavior is starting, getting in the, is starting to get in the way. We don't know what to do. We don't know how to deal with it. And so what we do is, okay, now we got to classify him. So we classify the kid. He becomes special ed. We, ha we get him a psychiatric. 
psychiatrist says, oh, you know what, to the teacher and to the parents, fill out this checklist for us so that we can determine, you know, if in fact he does need medication. No blood work, no examination, just fill out the checklist. Checklist gets filled out. Psychiatrist looks at it and says, yep, he has ADHD. Okay, here's a prescription. Go get your meds. The kid gets put on medication. Kid's still not disciplined correctly. Medication does take the edge off. If it's not given in the right doses, I'm sure the kid could become a zombie in class. So now we have this youngster, third grade, on meds, working with him to try and control his behavior, way behind scholastically. He's now about eight years old, and he's approaching something. He's approaching something that's called mental puberty. Mental puberty is when about 3% of a kid's brain thinks like an adult. He's getting there. He's getting there, no question. Once he hits about 10 years old, that's when he loses the fear of arguing with an adult. Well, he never had a fear anyway because we weren't dealing with him correctly, and he figured that his tantrums were doing the job. Now he's 10 years old, and he has no fear at all of arguing with an adult. Mental puberty sets in, the brain changes, and now he is really out of control. His mind is waking up. That's probably around the fifth grade. He gets into the sixth grade, seventh grade. He looks at the work that other kids are doing, and he looks at the work that he's doing and says, why am I so dumb? How come I can't do this stuff? Then what happens? Greater reaction, more depression, more problems, more self-esteem issues. The medication didn't solve the problem. It did not solve the problem. I'm going to tell you what would solve this problem. Okay, number one, when that kid is in the first grade and his mind is basically, you know, dealing with associations and he can deal with consequential thinking because that's all they have because you can't rationalize with a five-year-old. You must impose strict consequences on this youngster, something that makes him think that I cannot get away with this and you cannot be bullied by a parent of this kid because this kid's going to go home and, and have a tantrum at home based upon what he believes is unfair in school and you'll buy into it. As a parent, you cannot buy into what a five-year-old tells you or a six-year-old tells you because you feel sorry for him or because you're afraid of him. And there are a lot of parents afraid of a five-year-old. You must support the school. If you want your youngster, your child, to survive in the real world. If this kid goes through, if this kid goes through school, at the end of the first grade, if he's functioning at the point three or point four grade level, there's something that needs to happen. He needs to go into what's called a transitional second grade. 
transitional second grade means you're in the first grade from September to December, and you'll get caught up. We'll lay a firm foundation for you. Okay, then you'll move into the second grade. Once you get into the second grade, you'll be caught up. Once you're caught up, you can survive a little bit better. You will survive far better and do far better because you're not going to always be struggling with the with the the subject area that your teachers are presenting. And your self-esteem will be better. And by the way, this is the the only grade that a youngster should be retained in. First grade. Why? It's the foundational grade. Every other grade grows from that. That's the cinder blocks under this youngster's education. That's where you're learning how to write. You're learning how to read. You're learning how to do basic math. You're learning how to cooperate. You're learning how to be respectful. You're learning how to be responsible. You're learning how to be compliant. You're learning all those things. And if they're not learned in the first grade, guess what happens? You go, they, you get promoted anyway, and you don't have those skills. And in the second grade, there are greater responsibilities. Why? Because this kid is older. Now, there are a lot of things that happen that should many things that happen that that really shouldn't. And I really never understood you know uh why it's so hard to communicate with a young child. I really doesn't. It it's just incredible. And it and it's amazing how behaviors aren't stigmatized anymore. Kids who were behavior problems 40 years ago, you know, I mean, you had a handful of them. You had a handful of them. Right now, you've got school, schools filled with them. There are schools that are filled with these kids. And consequently, what happens is, okay, we end up with so many of them, sometimes we have to create a condition to support the behavior. Case in point, you know, if, if if you have two or three kids that you can maneuver and do something with, that's one thing. You have a, a an, an army full of them, you can't do a lot with them. I mean, years ago, if one person burned the American flag, they'd throw them in jail. What do you do if 5,000 people burn the flag and the jails aren't big enough to hold them? You make it a law that you can burn the flag. Now you can burn the American flag, freedom of speech, freedom of expression then they don't have to worry about locking 5,000 people up. What do you do if you have 300, 400 kids in a school who've got behavior problems? You can't get rid of them all. Get rid of them all. In order to contain them, you have to create the, the disability to, to support the behavior. And what happens? Now they stay, in the, they stay within the framework of the school, and, and we're making modifications all around them. The world's not going to make modifications around certain kids or around certain people. You're not going to get on a job and, and exhibit uh, irresponsible and disrespectful behavior and expect your boss to make a modification around you because you have attention deficit disorder. 
Now, I understand that we want to understand conditions and we want to be sensitive to conditions, but you know what? Employees do not have, employers do not have the time to be sensitive to every single person that comes down the pike with a condition. Right now, the Fortune, there's Fortune 500 companies have spent $24 million combating bullying problems on, in the workplace. Is that baloney or what? They've spent a fortune on it in lawsuits, litigation, harassment, and so on. Because we've we've destigmatized some things that really need to be that really need to stand out. ADHD was determined to be a mental illness by the vote of the American Psychiatric Association members at a meeting in 1987. And the new definition was added to the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders. That's the DSM manual. And increasing adults who exhibit behaviors such as inattention, distractibility, trouble in following directions, a tendency to lose things, and and difficulty awaiting their turn to speak or participate in activities are now seen as victims of ADHD, and that was Ann Hendershock, the politics of deviance. In the past, these behaviors were seen as achievement, ability discrepancies, or just unruly behavior. That's how we viewed them. Now, parents and educators, as I said before, both seem to be relieved that the problem that exists with behaviors such as disrespecting their responsibility in a home and in school can be looked at as a type of mental illness that requires a treatment plan rather than individual accountability and self-control. How about that? Let's develop a treatment plan. How far are we going to go? And the treatment plan involves medication. Take meds. Put the kid on medication. Put an adult on medication. Help them focus better. Sometimes the problems that people have with focusing are related to just a guilty or an unclear conscience that they've got to take care of. They're always plagued by demons that get into their get under their skin because of the behaviors that they exhibited in the past or the guilt that they have from the behaviors that they exhibited in the past. And then they lose their focus. And not only that, guilt produces a critical condemning attitude. So what happens? Okay, they go off. Okay, and they start picking on others, saying mean things to others, even as adults. Even as adults. Because they've gotten out of school with a condition that was never looked at in terms of consequences. The medical industry has developed drugs that have improved the quality of life for millions of people. In reality, some of these drugs didn't. In reality, if some of these drugs didn't exist, some people would not be alive today. Now, I've called attention to this before. I'm a perfect example. High blood pressure medication has helped normalize my pressure, which otherwise would be too high. Taking this. Medication doesn't make me any less responsible for my own health, which I shared earlier. I still have to walk, watch my diet, and, and you know, not smoke. Because medication is so widely used in education, uh, medication so widely used in education, 
people often cite the decision of some parents not to medicate their children as the reason why these kids' these kids behavior is out of control. In my experience, I've often called parents to discuss their child's unacceptable behavior and been told that they hadn't taken his or her medication. The idea that the failure to take medication can be used as an excuse for deviance for deviance removes any form of responsibility on the individual for the behavior. I know that I am responsible for my own health with or without medication. Students should be responsible for their own behavior and should not use medication or lack of it to get off the hook when confronted with the consequences of their lack of self-control. That's page 30, the new three R's in education. Respect, responsibility, and relationships. So the bottom line here is who really is responsible for an individual's behavior? Who is? Who is the one that says, you know what, okay, I I did it. That can only be one individual. That's the person that did it. Now, let's define reason and let's define excuse. Reason. There are reasons why people do things. There are reasons why they do things. Could be upbringing. Could be genetics. Could be a host of other things. A host of other things. That people are involved with. Upbringing, you know, your parents don't know how to discipline. They're rude and discourteous toward you. They've got their own bailiwick from being raised by wacky parents as well. They come down the pike and they have children and they end up raising you and what one parent does in moderation, the other parent does in excess and you end up being casualty. You end up being a symptom for what happens to you. Is that a reason or an excuse? Well, that's a reason. Because you had no control over it. Right? You had no control over how you were brought up and what went into your head. Let's look at an excuse. Now, because of your upbringing, okay, you end up being you you end up becoming angry and you become rude and discourteous to other students, teachers, other adults, maybe employers, and so on. So now I, I my excuse for acting up is because my mother uh, came home drunk last night. Reason or excuse? That's a reason. Is it an excuse? No, because I still have to be held accountable. Now, let me give you a tip on disciplining these kids, okay, who have serious problems. Kids who have difficulty need to be managed with what I call rules and regulations, compassion, and understanding. What does all that mean? Any time a child acts up and goes beyond the limits of of appropriate behavior, 
He needs to be disciplined first, and the rules need to be enforced first right away. Then you need to speak to this youngster about his behavior and show the compassion necessary so that the behavior doesn't occur again. If you do it in the other way, where you talk to him until you're blue in the face and don't use any consequence, what will happen is, okay, by the time you get to the point of imposing the consequence, he's going to expect that there is no consequence other than the talking to, and he will he will absolutely go ballistic and react to you. And I've seen it because I've had kids who are near adults. When, I, when I've done it in the opposite way, they get up. As an administrator who I am, they get up, slam doors, bang things, and so on, and walk out. Had I just imposed the consequence first, gave him his medica- gave him his his consequence first, and then spoke with him, I would have had time to defuse him so he wouldn't have left my office in a tirade. Bottom line. Bottom line. We do it backwards. We do it backwards. If all of the talking to, if all of the good consequences, if if you are perfect in terms of how you handle a youngster, in terms of his behavior, if it all doesn't work, then you use meds. Then you use meds. If all of the therapy, all of the, you know, the counseling, if all of this stuff doesn't work, then you use meds. If all of my walking, if all of my good eating, if all of my um, not smoking, and everything else doesn't lower my blood pressure, then you use meds. If good diet doesn't lower cholesterol, then you got to use medication. But you try everything first. You try everything first. By the way, kids who are on psychotropic medication for behavior have no chance of getting into the service when they graduate because the Army or the Marines or whatever branch of the service it is will not accept a person who was on medication for behavior because they are too much of a risk. So you not only affect the kid in school, but if, in fact, this kid wants to do something after school, that may, and it may even involve law enforcement. I don't know. I'll have to check to see if you can become a police officer if you were on psychotropic medication. You may not have been able to. You may not be able to. So it's something to definitely consider. When all else fails, take the pills. When all else fails, take the pills. My name is Jim Burns. You've been listening to Blog Talk Radio. You are now in Teacher Talk. Uh, my number is 646-595-4965. Again, that number is 646-595-4965. I welcome your calls. Place the show in your favorites. Rate the show. Your feedback is real important to me. Um, take a look at my website, jameshburns.com, and uh, 
www.behavioral-management.com. Go to uh, twitter.com, tweet me, slash um, James H. Burns, and my Facebook page. we got a great group going on there right now, Bullyproof Assurance. Become a member of the group. I'll send you stuff that you can read, uh, great articles. i got a great article up there this morning that talks about the cost of bullying in schools and in the workplace, which is enormous. And I shared that number already, something like $24 million spent on this thing. It's become out of hand. See, that's the other thing. All of these conditions cost everybody a ton of money. You kind of like pay now or pay later. You're either gonna you're either gonna make someone aware that their behavior is inappropriate and move them along, or you're gonna you're, you're going to um, you know put them on medication with no consequences and and no no um, no consequential thinking and uh, you know the behavior may slow down a bit, but once he's off of it, it's not gonna work. And kids, you know, get sick of taking this stuff too. Kids don't feel good when they're taking medication. There's certain medications that I take. I don't feel too good when I take it. I get, I, it, it just, I mean, I take blood pressure medication. You know, blood pressure medication, when you look at the, um, uh, when you look at the, some of the side effects from it, you know, at 56 years old, it's not like I'm any dynamo, but it, but it certainly does affect your sex life, and people, you don't need to be aware of it, because it not only lowers the pressure in your head, it lowers it throughout your body. So you don't have enough pressure going on in certain areas, in certain gear areas, if you're talking about your sex life. So medications have a negative side effect on people, too, which we need to be aware of. <clears throat> the, um, the other issues that I'd like to talk about is how medication can send the wrong message to teachers and parents. And administrators, uh, parents and students, administrators, and how we can basically eliminate academic problems with the use of psychotropic medication. Taking medication does not make you smarter. All it does is make you focus better. But if you can't focus for openers and we give you medication, what will happen is you'll probably be able to gain a little bit greater focus, but it's not going to make a big difference in, in your uh, ability to perform in school. Things are very, very strange today, folks. They're very strange. There are things that are happening right now in society that plague me, that plague me mentally. That really do. Now, I may have been living alone too long, and I may spend uh, a lot of time watching television or watching the news. But we had this situation in Omaha, Nebraska, last week, where a youngster was suspended from school and uh, for driving his car on the football field, and he came back and killed the vice principal and shot the principal. And... Um, that affected me to the point that I um, really have taken a harder stance on making people pay attention to what's going on around them because every single time this happens, 
there's always some report that comes out that says, boy, he was weird, he was strange, you know, he was quiet. The kid put it up on his Facebook page that he was going to kill somebody, and nobody paid attention to it. So we ended up, the school ended up, and a family ended up motherless. The school ended up vice principalless. The principal gets shot. Thousands of kids are traumatized. And the perpetrator blows his brains out, so he's not even around to deal with it. And quite frankly, it's something that people should have been watching. Pay attention to your own surroundings if you are working in a school. Pay attention to what's happening around you. And be aware that certain kids have the capacity to do certain things that are just unforgivable. Mental illness is rampant today. It is rampant. Dysfunction is rampant in society. We have to be aware of it. Have to be aware of it. Now you had the thing Saturday morning where a congresswoman from Arizona, Gabby Griffin, was shot in the head. And six other people were killed, five other people were killed, 20 other people injured by some maniac who just was mentally ill. Are we aware of these people that are around us today? Are are we aware that there is danger lurking around us today? Or are we just, you know, going through life thinking that the, the world is beautiful and everything is fine and no one's going to bother us and so on? Mental illness is rampant. And it's something that we have to be well aware of rather quickly. Now, this person who shot the congressman, congresswoman, also shoots and kills a judge that was just there to talk to the congresswoman, shoots her aide, kills him, and a nine-year-old girl who's there to talk to the congresswoman gets killed. What is wrong here? Another person goes through the symptom and ends up unrecognized in society who is a socio-psychopath, whatever you want to call him. He's nuts, and he got by us. And no sooner did I say, no sooner did I say that bullying has is going to leak onto college campuses that we had the um, um, Virginia Tech shooting where the where the Chinese uh, guy killed I don't know how many people on that campus. 
It's insanity. It's just insanity. And it's something that needs to be really addressed. I know that the mental health industry is doing what it can. But I want to tell you something. We spend a fortune today on artificial legs, hip replacements. Uh, we spend the, the amount of money that gets spent trying to keep a person alive, trying to keep a person alive, okay, during the last two weeks of life is ridiculous. Ninety percent of the money in health care is spent during the last two weeks of, of a person's life just to keep them alive when the quality of their life is over anyway. Why not take some of that money and put it into the mental health industry to deal with greater awareness and greater recognition of problems that people are having and pay social workers, pay psychologists, pay psychiatrists more because we are paying in this society because mental health issues are not taken as seriously and are not addressed and and people are leaking through and going off and doing some of the things that we see today that we just saw in a matter of four days we had, I can't tell you how many shootings, how many killings, and everything else by people who, after it happened, said, oh, boy, they were weird. If they were so weird, why didn't we do something about them? We're so quick to, to try and medicate that we don't realize that the medication alone doesn't stop the behavior. And I'm not trying to be a judge and a jury, but all I am trying to do is make people aware that this is going on right now. People are going to get people are going to be hurt over the course of a period of time because the the folks that are mentally ill are not being addressed, worked with, identified and helped. All you got to do is look through the look through the archives. Hey, Columbine, you think those kids were square? Those kids had all kinds of problems. Parents didn't even know that they had dynamite in the basement, and the number of shootings that occurred thereafter was ridiculous. Even after Columbine, we didn't do enough to recognize some of the problems. I really believe that there are things that that we can do, but I think the biggest thing is is awareness, straight awareness, and pay attention. Everyone should be paying attention to the people that are around them. It's probably one of the reasons why divorces and everything else occur. Husbands and wives don't even pay attention to one another anymore, never mind their children. So then they end up divorced. You know, and that just affects kids even more. It's been a tough few weeks for me, folks. And you guys have been, whoever's listening to this was great in giving me therapy. Just letting me talk and ramble on about different things. 
and I do hope that we begin to really take a look at this whole idea of medicalizing education, dealing with the problem, and really trying to help those in need. And sometimes help does mean consequences. Sometimes help does mean being tough, tough love, deal with the problem. Doesn't always mean medication. Medication is a help. Medication can't be the first resort in terms of dealing with an issue with a kid, whether it be therapy or education. My name is Jim Burns. You have been listening to Blog Talk Radio and Teacher Talk. I'm going to be back at you next week. I don't know what day. You'll have to check the schedule. Encourage your friends to download this podcast. They'll enjoy it. Get ready for the snow. We're going to have another another foot. Get yourself ready. Be ready. Pay attention. I love all of you. Take care.